a lot of people are not making $10,000 a month with a side hustle, whereas you could just go to Costa Rica for the month, rent out a place in Airbnb for a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars and make ten grand from the Airbnb income. It's just like I, I just love that way of thinking because I don't think enough people take advantage of the assets they already have. Welcome to the Fi Show where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Financial Independence Show, where today, Justin and I are going to talk about our 2023 goals. But before we do that, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody. You know, another week, just another vehicle purchase, standard. So for those who maybe have or haven't been listening, um, I had like a new truck that I bought last year, and I've had this older car that I've had for a long time. And I realized I wasn't really using the truck. I was just kind of babying it. And so I decided I want to get like a newer car and then more of like a work truck. And so I'd sold the truck, uh, traded it for a Tesla Model 3, and then I found me the work truck. So as per, I guess, my history, I will always travel to find a good deal in a car. So I flew to the Cincinnati airport, got picked up from the dealership in Kentucky an hour and a half away. They came and picked me up for free. And so I found me a 2010 four-wheel drive f-150 for 8200 bucks and it had two little things that were going on with it that were probably keeping the price down that were actually ended up being super easy to fix so i kind of did some investigating before i i went out there and knew kind of what i was getting into 100 bucks later and a one afternoon of work and it was it's now in great condition and so got the work truck back to austin and then we spent part of the weekend just kind of fixing some things on the house where We'd gotten some sheetrock work done, so now we're doing the paint, planning out some of the decorations so that we can finally get this thing on Airbnb. I know listeners are probably tired of hearing me talk about that we're going to get it on there, but I think that's just part of the battle when you're someone like me who has a million hobbies and travels a ton and a full-time job. You don't end up getting things done quite as quick as you hoped. How about you, Cody? Yeah, well, I definitely want to dig into the Airbnb and all the other business and life and other goals we have for 2023, but... This was the end of dry January for me. And not that I'm going to go crazy and start drinking right away, but man, I know we've talked about this like every week, but it's seriously been like really transformative for me. I have lost like 2% body fat, just an estimation. I took a before picture and after picture. My mental clarity is like off the charts. I'm remembering everything from every weekend, which unfortunately that doesn't always happen. And I've just been able to get a lot more work done. And I wake up, I feel refreshed. I feel like I got a lot of energy. I got good sleep. And so it's just been an overall really good thing for me. And I think what I'm going to take forward, I'm not going to just quit drinking forever. I still do enjoy drinking as a social thing. I think I'm just going to be able to really drastically decrease my alcohol consumption and be able to say no to you know that third drink. Like Maybe, maybe those two drinks are enough at dinner on a Friday night. Maybe I don't need to go out and have 10 more at a different bar. So I'm hoping that, you know, moving forward, I'm going to be able to flex my no muscle a little bit more when it comes to alcohol. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been really good. It was a really good test January 2023. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I mean, I know, like, I think I've been kind of doing this since April and I'm, I'm in a s- similar boat, probably a lot more aggressively cut off than, than I think what you're talking about. But like, I'll taste some stuff, whatever, but it's been pretty life changing. I mean, both from the physical perspective and the mental perspective, and it's just kind of one less thing to worry about. I I think a lot of times when we think about financial independence and trying to build this life, like it's always a lot of it is just kind of eliminating things that are going to kind of keep you from reaching that. 
And when I think about drinking, it was definitely an anchor for me. It was something that increased the likelihood of something going wrong. And just by removing that off the table, now I'm so much more confident about the future. I think another scary thing, and this is definitely saying this from a place of privilege, of when you hit FI is like, we could realistically, Justin, you could quit your job. I could stop doing all the things I'm doing. We're both financially independent. We could just drink every night of the week. And, you know, a lot of people don't have that quote unquote luxury, but it's a real thing. So I feel like once money is eliminated from the equation and you can quote unquote do whatever you want, you have to be really real with yourself and you have to make hard decisions. Like a lot of people drink to escape. That's how I used to do it. I was like, I was working hard during the week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like this is the time to go party and have fun and like just recalibrate because the week was so stressful. But when you're five or chasing financial independence and you just start to build some of this freedom and some of this autonomy into your life and you can basically design each day how you want all of a sudden like you can drink every day if you want to but if you start going down that path like your life is going to probably look really crappy in the next couple of months and horrible over the course of a few years and before we get into all the other stuff we have queued up for today's episode i just want to let you know that the show notes for this episode will be available at the five show.com slash 2023 goals that's the five show.com slash 2023 goals Alrighty, Justin. So I have a laundry list of bullet points over on the left-hand side of my screen. The first one on here is money goals. So all goals related to making more money, optimizing on taxes, saving more money. I'll actually have you to kick this one off. I know we were chatting a little bit before we hit go here, but what are some money goals that you've set for 2023? Yeah, like I am, you know, a habitual hobbyist. I'm always getting into things. And one of the guests that we had on talk, started talking about covered calls and I got really interested in it. So that is kind of one of my goals for this year is to have this kind of minimum amount of money that I'm hoping to hit that I'm generating every month due to covered calls. And I've been keeping myself really honest because I'm still a big believer in in most of my wealth being in, you know, like index funds and not picking individual stocks, which you can actually do this with index funds as well. It was, it was kind of the cool thing, but I've been keeping myself honest and like tracking. And so far since about middle of September, when I started this, you know, I'm making a little over $1,200 extra than I would if I would have just invested it into like VTI, uh, making about $2,200 a month in you know, what I'm generating from, you know, the increase and in the covered call premiums. And so, and wait, sorry, Justin. So you're making $2,200 extra a month from the covered calls or is it $1,200 a month? Just how are the numbers working out there? Yeah. So like, I'm thinking about it as if I would have just had it as cash and not invested it at all. I'm making about an extra $2,200 a month. And then that works out to be about an extra $1,200 a month over VTI. Like if I would have just put it in an index fund. So it's like $1,200 better than an index fund, $2,200 better than cash. And so I'm kind of tracking it that way because obviously like you can track it against cash, but that's not what I would have done with it anyway. I would have actually invested it in an index fund. And then I also just want to like keep myself honest. Like, am I, should I have just invested this in an index fund anyway? And sometimes you just need things to, to kind of still keep you motivated in that money game, keep you hungry for like investing money into something else at a certain point. Like, you know, once you've maxed out your mega backdoor and you've your regular IRAs and your regular 401ks and you know, your HSAs, you kind of just, looking for something else to invest in. And that's a that's a new hobby I've gotten into. And I've really enjoyed it. And I feel like I'm learning more and more about it every week. So with the covered calls, for those who didn't listen to that episode, it's with Daniel Alonzo. I think it's probably like 25 or 30 minutes in and we start just really getting into the weeds, the five show.com slash Daniel. 
But real quick, Justin, just for those who haven't had a chance to listen, could you just explain like what you're doing? Like how are you making an extra twelve hundred dollars is some serious cash every month? Yeah. So what you do is you buy a hundred shares of any stock. And again, this could be even an index fund like VTI. And I would recommend you buy a stock that you want to have anyway. Like it's a stock that you're thinking about buying and holding for a long time. That way, in case like things don't go your way at first, like it's something you wanted to hold on for a long time anyway. And let's just do some things for simple math. Let's say um, you buy a hundred shares and it's $10 a share today. So you've invested a thousand dollars. Now you've got those hundred shares, which again is that minimum to be able to sell one of these contracts. And since you already own it, you can do what is called a covered call where you're selling an option on it. Say you sell it with the contract that has the terms of saying, in one week, I think this stock will be $10.50. It doesn't really matter what you think. It's just like, that's the contract you're doing. You're selling a contract at from one week from now, let's say for $10.50. If that stock actually reaches, say, $10.60, you have to sell those 100 shares for $10.50. You have to sell it for what that contract was at. If it doesn't, then you don't. Either way, though, there's a premium involved. So let's say for every share, there's a 10 cent premium. So you're getting 10 cents per share premium, whether it reaches 1050 or whether it drops or whether it goes up to $13, it doesn't matter. You're getting that 10 cent premium no matter what. So at that point, you can kind of look at it and say, okay, if I would have just bought it, as long as it doesn't go above 1060, then I'm doing better because you got the 1050 that it you sold the contract at plus that 10 cent premium. If it drops below 1050, you get to keep that premium and just keep going. So what it's allowing you to do is to sit there and take stock that you're going to hold anyway. And instead of it just sitting there, you're actually every week, every month, however you want to do it, you're just kind of cycling through and collecting these premiums. And if you set it out far enough away from the price it is today, there's a very low likelihood that you ever get that option, what they call assigned, which means like it actually hit that number that's on the contract. And if it does hit the number that's on that contract, you made money because it's more than what you paid for it. So that your quote unquote losses are really all about a loss and extra money that you could have made, not really a, a loss the way most people think about it. Have a lot of your contracts been assigned? Like in this example, have you has your $10 stock gone up to $10.50? I've had a couple that that were a little bit of a heartbreakers where they got they got assigned <laughs> and then and then shot way past it. Snowflake was one of them, and actually Carvana here recently. So a habit I have for myself when I'm like dabbling with some of these individual stocks, like there's some that I'm I really believe in long term, and then there's some that I look at and say, this is a company that I know people who use it, that I know enjoy it, that it's been hit like by ninety percent drop. Like Carvana dropped like ninety eight percent. And so you're sitting there and it's pennies on the dollar of what it used to be. And I know everyone who's used it loved it. Now, I don't know how great of a business model it is. I don't want to hold it forever, but it's something I would, you know, I would dabble with. And I bought it for like $4 and something to share. And then I kept kind of selling contracts and selling contracts. And then they got assigned at $750 and then shot right past $750 all the way up to uh, almost, I think it actually hit $11 just like a couple of days later. So I could have made more money on that one if I would have just bought Carvana and not sold it. But the reason I like it is because I'm lowering my risk a little bit because every time I sell one of those contracts and collecting those premiums, you can think about it as income or you can also think about it as it's lowering my cost basis. You can, it's kind of the, the same either way when you think about it that way. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, definitely. For those who are interested, go and listen to the episode with Daniel. 
not going to talk about cover calls the whole time. We have a whole lot of other <laughs> stuff to cover here. I guess for like fun investment things, I know now that we've kind of, you know, reached FI, we've done like the whole index fund and I've done real estate, kind of like the boilerplate FI things, but it is fun getting into like the extra stuff, like the things that maybe not everybody recommends, but it, it just, you know, keeps things fun for you. So this past year and moving forward, I'm definitely going to do a lot more investing in like syndications. And actually last year I did an angel investment as well. And these were both facilitated through my solo 401k, which is cool. And there's a lot of like extra tax benefits. I know, Justin, we actually recorded an, a full episode, like an hour long on solo 401ks, mega backdoor Roths, all of like the crazy retirement vehicles where you can plow like 60k plus into. But yeah, that was something that I dabbled in last year. I invested in three separate syndications. I think one was 25,000, two were 25,000, one was 50,000. And then I invested another 50,000 into a startup. And most of that was actually housed within my solo 401k, which is really cool. So there was this article, actually, the reason why I thought about doing the angel investing, which is actually another episode where we've got so many episodes we're talking about today <laughs> with Logan Leckie from Topia, who's actually working with my good friend Grant Sabatia building that app. I I invested. I, I really believe in what Topia's got going on. They're doing a bunch of cool things. They're really building out the platform to like help people retire earlier and make more money and really track their progress to FI. So yeah, long story short, invested in that company through my solo 401k, but what I was getting at, there was an article that came out about, about Peter Thiel, who was like an early, I don't know if he, he wasn't a founder, but he was like one of the early partners at PayPal. And it was all within like, I think it was within a Roth IRA or like a Roth 401k or something. And, you know, his like 100k investment turned into like 6 billion or something crazy like that. But it was in like a tax advantaged vehicle. So <laughs> yeah. he owed zero taxes on that gain, which is absolutely nuts. And I mean, I don't expect Topia to become PayPal, but if it does five or 10 X, like I'm not going to owe any taxes on that investment, which is something that's really cool. So I'm going to continue to plow money into my solo 401k and do some adventurous stuff in there because it keeps things fun for me. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I've also done some syndications. I think I have two $30,000 syndications for those listening that maybe don't know what we're saying when we say a syndication, because it's not like a crime organization. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good clarification. Yeah. What, what, what are you referring to there in the real estate world? Yeah. So a syndication is basically for people who want to be a bit more hands-off with real estate. Now, I will mention most syndications, you have to be an accredited investor, meaning you have either a million dollars in net worth, or I think it's like $200,000 in income two years in a row. I'm I'm not sure if it's changed in 2023. That's what it was last year. But basically, you are buying like an equity stake in a real estate project. So let's just use simple numbers like you did with your example. So let's say someone wants to buy and I'm not going to use a loan in this because mortgage is going to make this more confusing. Let's say we want to buy a million dollar piece of real estate or the syndicator, the general partner wants to buy a million dollar piece of real estate. And so he doesn't have all the money himself. He wants to go around and get partners. That's what the syndication is. He's raising money and these people are going to be equity partners. So let's say he recruits nine other people, including himself. So there's 10 people now in the syndication. Each person is putting in an equal amount in this example. So everyone's putting in 100K. They buy this million dollar property. Now, all of those 10 people own like an equal share. So they're getting an equal share of the rent. They're getting an equal share of any depreciation that property can offer as a tax reduction. So basically, it's like you own a small percentage of a bigger property. That's ultimately in a nutshell what a syndication is. 
Yeah. And I think some other cool things like for people looking into it is when you're looking at some of these syndication deals, a lot of times they're going to have what they call like a preferred return. So it's like a return that if things are going smoothly, that what they're going to expect to pay out every, a lot of syndications do it quarterly. So like I know one of the syndications I'm doing pay out an 8% return every quarter. And then your real money is made on the back end when they actually sell the property. And so sometimes maybe they've got like a five-year, seven-year exit kind of plan where they're thinking about selling that property. But yeah, it gives you a way to tap into things that you would never want to sink that much money into. Like you would never, you know, like I personally didn't want to buy a 50-something unit apartment in South Carolina, but like I'm more <laughs> than happy to, you know, to, to dabble in it and throw 30 grand at it. And it worked out beautifully, especially as someone like myself who has been really interested in real estate, but have been in these like really high market cities that just the numbers haven't really worked out for me. It gives me a way to invest in other parts of the country without having to know a property manager and a maintenance person and a local bank. And all. like, it really allows you to benefit from a lot of those things. It's kind of like this middle ground between buying properties yourself and like a REIT. Like it's a little bit more involved and a little bit more specific where you can go target one deal that you feel really good about in a market you're comfortable with, but without you having to do all the work and it's very passive and you do get some of those benefits like the K2 depreciation and that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. So something I've actually been wrestling with and uh, maybe we can just talk this out in the podcast. So there's this thing regarding taxes called a real estate pro designation. And this is going to get complicated. I'm not going to talk about this the whole time, but it's something like I've been trying to figure out in my own life. And maybe there's like a couple listeners who this you're like, I'm in that situation too. Let's see if this makes sense. So this is regarding syndications too. So if you have this real estate pro designation, I think basically real estate has to be like a really large percentage of your income and or you spend at least 750 hours per year doing something active real estate related. So what I'm getting at with this. So if I can get that real estate pro designation, like let's say I start to acquire more rental properties or like I really start to pick up my Airbnb business or whatever, I just somehow reach that real estate pro designation. I could invest in syndications and those syndications, I know you just mentioned like the K2 and depreciation and all these other expenses that are associated with buying rental properties. And as long as I have the real estate pro designation, I can use all those expenses to actually offset my active income. Now, this is different than like most people, like Justin, in your example, and my example right now, we invest in a syndication, you get like some of that depreciation, but that can only offset your passive gains, meaning the money that you're bringing in from the syndication or other long-term rentals or other passive income investments on your tax return. So I've been like trying to mess and meddle with this idea because I got hammered last year with taxes. And even this year, like I was a lot more, and we can get into this in a second. I was a lot more efficient with my taxes. Gold City Ventures became an S corp. Like we were strategic about the salary we paid ourselves, but still like I'm getting absolutely clobbered with taxes. And so I'm kind of seeing this as maybe like my big break if I can somehow get this real estate pro designation and then use the depreciation and all those expenses with the syndications to offset my active income, which is like all my online business stuff. Yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, if you've heard about people doing that, Justin, but I'm just kind of talking out loud here because it's something I've been like trying to figure out for 2023 and beyond. <laughs> no, I, I haven't heard of that specific one, but obviously like maximizing taxes is such a huge thing and it's definitely something where... I know as I get trying to build out a more realistic plan of how I want things to run, like I probably do need to like, you know, just go and hire like a four fee, like kind of tax planner, tax advisor type person. Cause one of these kind of nuggets, I think that's one of the coolest things about this space. 
is that just one of these kind of nuggets could change your life. Like you figure out one little thing that allows you to cut your taxes by X percent. And that's just this gift that keeps on giving. And then the money you get to keep gets compounding. And it's like these little things can just be huge game changers. So even though I don't, I don't know this one, that's what's so cool about learning all these things about personal finance is something's going to work for someone. And once you find those little nuggets, you know, I hate to, I hate to even say like a loophole. I mean, it's just the way the rules are. It's what the laws are. It's just what it is. When you figure those out, big things can happen. The conundrum here though, is that the more time I spend on real estate. So like my main focus is like all my online income, my digital businesses, Gold City Ventures, the Pi Show, the podcast. It's like most of my income and most of my time is spent online. Like the, the real estate's pretty much on autopilot. I spend like honestly four to five hours per month managing all that now that we like have everything tenanted and I'm just like checking in, making sure things are okay. Sometimes we'll have a vacancy, have to fill it, but like most of that's on autopilot. And I kind of like that split. Like I like having most of my time focused on the online business. That's what jazzes me up. That's what is more scalable and makes me more money. So if I want to do this real estate pro thing, I'm going to have to like lean more heavily into real estate. And I think it was Alex Hormozzi, who's like a sales dude, marketing genius. And he was like, Mark Zuckerberg didn't have Airbnbs on the side while he was like building something. So that kind of really <laughs> stuck with me is like, if you really want to have a explosive business, like just one business that's absolutely crushing it. The more things you add on the side, the harder it is for that thing to like really take off and really grow. And this is something I'm like currently dealing with, struggling with. Again, this is from a a place of privilege. I'm struggling with having too many income sources, but it's true. Like the, the more you dilute yourself, the more rental properties I have or Airbnbs or other things I'm focusing on, the less I can focus on like the core things that really make me happy and that are making me the most money. So it's a conundrum. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to pan out in 2023, but maybe we'll have some listeners who had just have the perfect solution for me. That's why we that's why we chat about this stuff. And like you said, Justin, you might just get that one little piece of information from a podcast like this or a conversation you have at a conference or a book you read. And all of a sudden, like it just changes everything about your life or your finances or whatever. And actually speaking of that, just going to mention this quickly because it was a cool little, I don't even want to say loophole because it's illegal. But if you're someone who's like me and has a bunch of like 50% stakes in different businesses, there's these things called control groups. Talk to your tax professional, talk to your CPA, whoever you need to talk to. But I was actually able this year to plow $122,000 into solo 401ks using this like control group thing and then also contributing to my IRA. So I was able to put $128,000 in retirement accounts this year, which is kind of crazy and something that I didn't really know about before. I honestly don't even feel that comfortable talking about it because it's like kind of complicated. And of course, it's going to depend on your situation. But I just urge you to if you're in that position where you own like a couple businesses and you're like a 50% owner to look into this whole control groups thing and you can set up like separate solo 401ks for each company and yada, yada, yada. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis in my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. 
I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show. So we got to start off this discussion talking about kind of increasing some income, which led us to talking about trying to do better and be more efficient on taxes because, you know, you're obviously only taxed when you got the income. But then the other side of the coin is our expenses. And I know for me, a big thing I want to do is just kind of really simplify things and get things slimmer on those fixed expenses, those reoccurring expenses, especially. So like when I had my truck, it was a 0% interest loan. So I never had any thought about paying it off. But when I, when I did swap it out for the Tesla, the only big negative is that the interest rate is not very good. I'm kind of going to look at it as an opportunity to say, you know what, like, that's fine. Like, I'm just going to pay it off. And with that, though, I want to see a fixed expense that is much lower going forward. And that's kind of got me excited about like tackling my fixed expenses in general. So I think the other thing I'm going to do with the Tesla is when you look at like what one costs versus what one brings in these avenues like Turo, like where someone can rent it out, it's really slanted. Like people want to just drive one for the novelty of it. Like maybe someone who doesn't actually want to buy one, they just want to drive one for the day because they've never driven an electric car. The same is not true for like a $50,000, like, I don't know, Acura or BMW. Like, I mean, yeah, they're cool, but like people don't have quite as much of a novelty factor about them because it's still just a normal car. When you're talking about these Teslas, like they, they actually bring a pretty good premium. So I'm thinking about putting that on Turo and paying it off and getting my car expenses from being like, a decent little expense to actually being an income stream where because the test will be paid off and then and then bringing in money through Turo. Same thing kind of with Airbnb. You know, we kind of had this discussion before we started recording, Cody, like about how we're setting our goals. And I'm trying to think about it in a way of like very attainable goals so that I can get those wins and get the momentum and, and feel good about it and then push forward. And so for me, like the Airbnb, my goal is to have it to where we're renting the house out enough to at least cover half of our mortgage. Because if I take and look at my nest egg and then compare that to my expenses now, like I'm already okay. And then if I take that and remove the car payment, have another income stream from Turo, cut my housing in half, like now all of a sudden things are starting to look like really bulletproof. So that's what I want to do this year is tighten up those fixed expenses and just make it really comfortable and confident so that I don't have to enter into like the more full-blown retirement with any stress or like looking over my shoulder. Yeah, I am totally on board with that. I know we've had a lot of episodes where we've talked about fixed expenses. Something that I am actually a goal of mine in 2023 is to spend more on expenses that buy back and give me more time. So this is something that I've slowly started to get better at over the years. And I know we both came from like hyper frugal backgrounds I was spending like $1,200 a month at the trough at the very lowest and making ends meet. But now, like, as I've started to get more into business and have all these different things going on, like my time is valuable. And I'm starting to realize that more and more. It's really the only completely finite resource that we have is time. And so I have started to get like grocery deliveries. We're hiring a house cleaner like every couple of weeks to come in here and just doing like all these kind of menial tasks that don't bring me a lot of joy. And, you know, every time I go to think about doing them, I'm like, oh, like this sucks. I really don't want to do this. And so that's a big goal for me is to like hire out more of that stuff in 2023. I, I have the discretionary income. 
These are things that if I have to, I can shut them off tomorrow. Like I can cancel Instacart. We can stop getting a house cleaner. We can stop doing these other things that are saving us time and energy. But to your point, they're not these fixed expenses. Like it's not like I'm going out and buying this crazy car. I'm not going and upgrading and like, you know what? I think I'm going to buy a $2 million house this year. That's my goal. It's, <laughs> it's these things that like, it's these things that are buying back my time. And as I've started to read more books and like study how the rich, the quote unquote rich do it, like they're just obsessed with buying back their time. I know a lot of us have read like the millionaire next door and it's really not about the flashy things. It's, it's about getting that time back, having the freedom to do what you want, when you want with who you want. And so that's, that's just something like I really want to embody that in 2023 and start to claw back as much as my time for the things that I really value and the things that really fire me up. I love that. And I love the like, changing your mindset around cutting expenses at all costs. So it's kind of two different things, right? There's one, like buying your time back and two, like being comfortable spending money, knowing that it's going to bring you some kind of happiness. Like for me, that's been, I think this last year, the the gym membership has been one of those big things. It's not a time thing, but it is a, an expense that is maybe not the most efficient. Like I could definitely get in just as good a shape theoretically without paying as much as I am but the reality was I wasn't <laughs> like I was never doing it. Like I wasn't actually doing the things I needed to. And this is keeping me accountable. This is getting me motivated. This is doing its job. And so no reason to fight it. Like it's okay to spend some money on those things that are working. And like you said, it's a, uh, it's an expense that going into it, I thought, well, if I don't like it, I can always just cancel it. It's not like something I sign up to for the rest of my life. So it's a great time to kind of be experimenting with what can you pay for and, and what does that do and what moves the needle because you can always turn those levers off. Another thing you mentioned that I really liked and because so many people come to me and ask me like, Cody, what's the best business? What's the best side hustle? And you mentioned one of them and it's something that you don't have to you know create a business. You don't really have to do much if you already own the thing is renting out assets you already own. I know we talked about this. I think I don't remember exactly which episode it was, but like you estimated that during ACL and during some of these other huge events like South by Southwest in Austin, like you could probably make upwards of 10 grand that month renting your place out in Airbnb. It's an asset you already own. And all it takes is just like getting it approved by the city and listing on Airbnb. It's the same thing with Turo. And I think a lot of people like overlook those types of income streams. And they're just like, I need to create a new product or I need to create a business where they might have this car that's sitting in the driveway vacant 90% of the time, or they may have this house that they're not in all the time if they travel a lot or they have work or whatever. And it's just a great opportunity to make a lot of money. Like a lot of people are not making $10,000 a month with a side hustle. Whereas you could just (laughs) go to Costa Rica for the month, rent out a place in Airbnb for a thousand or $1,500 and make 10 grand from the Airbnb income. It's just like, I I just love that way of thinking because I don't think enough people take advantage of the assets they already have. Yeah. Once you start looking at things like that and realizing and and just doing the math and saying, oh wait, I get paid (laughs) travel. Like I get, like I will make more money not being at home. Like, like how many people would love to say that? And I, there's so many people who could say that they just don't like we, I think maybe take for granted how expensive it can be to live in the United States and also how cheap you can travel other places. Like, yeah, I mean, if I'm renting my house out, even if I'm not doing a great job at renting it out, I'm going to make a lot more money that's going to cost me to live in Bali, you know, like it's, yeah. it, it, and even if it doesn't fully cover your mortgage and you still have some expenses, like when you put it all together and look at the money coming in versus the money going out, it is a net positive. And it's also like thinking about renting out things you already own. It kind of takes me back to the first thing I talked about, which was the covered calls, which is why I find it so interesting. It's like, I've got all these stocks sitting there that I plan on owning anyway. Like, 
might as well like pull some premiums for rent them out yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect <laughs> I'll take advantage of all the day traders. (laughs) Well, since we're on the topic of kind of money and expenses, I was hoping we could maybe talk about like career slash business goals for a sec. I know in a couple episodes ago, you had mentioned like this year you started to actually enjoy your job. Like you you kind of built your job where it was more fun for you, whereas before it was like, oh, you know, just kind of getting this done, going through the motions so I could get the paycheck. But now it seems like you've kind of carved out a nice, nice spot for yourself and like you're enjoying the management position. Do you have anything that you're looking forward to in 2023 and things that are changing? Yeah, I think the cool thing is, like you said, I have found a lot more enjoyment out of it. And the reason I have is because I'm getting to help these people who I'm actually close with versus just trying to help these customers who I don't really have any like allegiance to or, you know, that just doesn't quite give me that that happiness return when I'm helping them. And so one of the things I've actually already got to accomplish this year, which was getting to promote somebody on my team. So like that was awesome. They showed a lot of great progress and it was a very competitive thing, but we were able to get them the promotion. So that was huge for me. Personally, that's like all I really want to do. I just want to keep, like you said, kind of carving out my niche. Like I've got, I've got my place where I'm happy and keep pushing up those around me. Like the people who work for me, finding them opportunities, getting them promoted, getting them into leadership positions. It's not the same as obviously as donating money to a charity or whatever, but it is cool to get to see the impact that you've made on somebody's life. And I like to think of myself as a good manager. And I like to think that if you interviewed some of the people who work for me, they would say that, that I have made like a positive impact on their life. And that's, I don't know, that's really cool to me, even though it's still in a corporate setting, I'm getting to see people who are more empowered and more confident and are making more money and are more excited about their future. And so the more I can do that this year, you know, the happier I'll be because you know, it's not something I talk about it at work like, oh, well, this is the day I'm going to be walking away. But they all are very aware that I'm not a career ladder person. Like I'm not somebody who's making decisions based on trying to reach some some high level in 10 years because that's just not the plan I'm on. So I put them first and I always like if I need to be the fall guy, like I'm happy to be the fall guy, like whatever gets them kind of pushed up to the top the best is what I try to do. And so my goal this year is just to kind of continue that is, uh, is looking for opportunities to help them grow and find leadership positions and just kind of take care of their career. Well, I think the cool thing about that is the more impact you can make, and this is something that took me a long time to learn, but the more imp- impact you can have on others, like the more money you make. And most people often don't think like that. It's like all about me, me, me. How am I going to get the raise? How am I going to get the promotion? How am I going to look better than all of my workmates or these other people in the space that I'm operating in? But the more people you help and the bigger impact you have, it just like the money starts flowing to you. And so that's something that I've been focusing on a lot more now that like we're both financially independent. It's not all about the money anymore. It's like about doing things that actually bring you value and impacting people and making a positive impact on the world. And that's something that's definitely going to carry through 2023 and beyond with my businesses. And I just have a couple of goals here. I'll just shout them out just so I have a higher chance of achieving them because now I'm going to put myself on the spot. So with the Fi show, I want to continue to grow our reach, Justin. I know we've been growing month over month, just kind of steady chug over the last four years. It's pretty, pretty awesome to see. I'm really hoping we can hit 3 million podcast downloads by the end of the year. I know we had the milestone of 1 million in June of 2022. And right now, I was just looking earlier today, we're at about 1.65, creeping up to 1.7 million total downloads seven or eight months later, meaning that the podcast is gaining traction. So if we could hit three mil by the end of the year, 
the amount of people that going back to the impact thing, just knowing that there's thousands of people tuning in to each of these episodes, hopefully getting little nuggets of wisdom and things that they can take action on. That's getting me jazzed up. So I'm excited about that and hoping we can continue to grow on the gold city ventures front. That's like the business where I teach people how to create and sell digital products with Julie. We have like really kind of tightened up the sales funnel and like made sure it's like the best customer experience ever. And now what we're focusing a lot on is like the what's called the top of the funnel. So just like getting people aware of us and what we got going on. So we're like doing a ton with social media and affiliates and we're messing around with Facebook and Google ads and all this stuff. So a big goal this year is to just really kind of hone in the top of the funnel and get as many people as we possibly can who are interested in creating a digital product side hustle into our orbit and then ultimately you know, into our community, buying our products, listening to us and all that good stuff. And then the one last one I have on here, this is actually the first time I'm mentioning this other than like private conversations, but I have written an outline for a book. And I think I'm going to self-publish it. I don't exactly know yet. It's just a rough outline, but it's called Retire by 30. And it's going to be like all these different case studies of different people. Justin, you, me, so many people on this podcast that we've interviewed in the past. But what's going to be different, and this is just my idea, this could change. But what's going to be different about this book is it's going to be very case study based. So it's not just going to be like, woo woo, this is a savings rate. This is how you invest. This is the 4% rule. Like it's just going to be, a whole mess of different stories and different people from different backgrounds, different locations with different income streams and different situations who have done it and showing real people, real examples. And hopefully like someone who picks up that book and read it, they'll resonate with a couple of them. So I'm making this announcement here again. I don't know. I don't know what the future of the book is. I don't know if it's going to be published by myself or I'm going to go for a publisher or when this is actually going to happen. But I have started the outline. I started mapping it out. I'm excited about it and we'll see what happens. No, that sounds like a, a really cool book, a really cool story. I definitely resonate with those kind of stories where it's it's real world. This is actually what happened and not just like, yeah, you always need to know the fundamental rules and like the tools that you use to get there. But there's only so many times you can hear that. I never really get tired of hearing true stories and, and those case studies. So that's a great idea. That's why we do this podcast. Cody, you know, you're talking a lot about Gold City Ventures and about like those digital products. It's definitely something that like, I have started to finally find hobbies that kind of start to intersect into that world. You know, I, I've got the 3D printer and the laser engraver now, and I've been having a ton of fun learning how to use those. And there's the one side of the coin, which is actually making the things and, and in which you could sell somewhere like Etsy. But then there's also the like creating the files. And so one thing I really want to get good at this year, so it's not a business I have now, and I'm just kind of thinking about it from a goal perspective as a skill I want to learn, but it definitely could become part of a business is getting really proficient in like the software that is used to build these files. Because as far as 3D printing goes, like you could 3D print something really cool with very little knowledge if you've got a really good file to go off of. Creating the file is a real hard part. Same thing with laser engraving. Like it takes a little bit of knowledge, but pretty simple. If you've got a file that's got everything dialed in, like all the different power levels, the speeds, the, you know, all that sort of stuff, like how many passes you're doing, that is the kind of knowledge that takes the real skill. And so <laughs> Leslie's always kind of joking about my hobbies and the number of things I'm picking up. But those are two of the skills I really want to learn this year is getting super good at the software. And I could see a world where I start to kind of create some 3D print files that people think are really cool and I can just pop them out there on somewhere like Etsy and people can pay for them and download them and there is no physical transfer of product. There's no work on my end. It's just a super easy transfer, a, a digital product. Well, once you start 
raking it in with the digital files you're selling, Justin. You'll be our star testimonial. (laughs) (laughs) Something that we haven't really talked about, I know we talked about this off air before we hit go, was travel. And I guess we kind of hinted at it because you said, you know, you're going to be renting your place out when you're not there. And I'm assuming renting the car out as well. What do you got on the travel docket for this year? Or do you have any just like general travel goals, ways you want to travel, places you want to go this year? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny that like I feel like every year we tell ourselves we're going to kind of slow down a little yeah. bit and then every time it just gets out of hand. So like already this year, like, I mean, technically it was in December, but we went from like Cabo to Mississippi for Christmas. And then we and then in January, we go straight. We're home for a couple of days. We go straight to Salt Lake City for like 12 days. I get back for a couple of days. Then I go to Kentucky to get this truck and then Mississippi and I come back. And then this Saturday, I'm going to Salt Lake City and, you know, and it just kind of goes on and on from there. So it's already starting to be a pretty busy year. But I think some of the focuses I want to have this year is trying to do more trips with like close friends, like the trip that, you know, Cody, we did in Mexico with James and Emily. Like that was an awesome trip. And it was like with close friends and me and Leslie travel a ton. And I mean, I love that. But I also want to just start mixing in more of those trips with good friends because, when I think about retiring early and all that sort of stuff, like it's only as fun to me as like if you also have re- really good relationships to combine with that. Like, okay, you've got all day to do whatever you want to do, but there's only so many days where you're doing something completely by yourself where that's really fulfilling. So I think having trips with close friends is a big one for me. And then another big one for me is trying to travel with my dad. You were actually there, Cody, when the weekend we found out that when he was diagnosed with cancer and like that was super scary. And thankfully, he's made like a, a huge comeback. But in those moments, you know, you're sitting there thinking like, man, like I want to take and show him this and show him that. And unfortunately, since then, he got well, he's healthy and people kind of just go back to normal and they're not really like putting those things at the forefront anymore. They're not really thinking like, oh, man, we need to get these trips done because you just never know. You never promise tomorrow. And I don't want to let that continue to happen. And he's never been anywhere internationally. So I'm really on him about getting a passport. And I'm like, there's got to be somewhere in the world that you would think it's cool to see. So we're we're trying to find a place that gets him excited because obviously I don't want to just drag him somewhere for the sake of it. But that's a big goal of mine is uh, I think it'd be really cool if I got to take my dad on his first international trip. On top of all that, with the travel. It's not necessarily like a location or anything, but it goes with the Airbnb. It's uh, I really want to start building up that profile and testing out the trusted house sitter program. So as we travel, I want that to be kind of a, a key piece of it, which ties all the way back into all the expenses and income part. Yeah. If you could do that, the trusted house setters thing. And for those who are wondering what the heck is he talking about with the house sitting, we had an episode with Britt Sharman. It's at the five show.com slash Brit. And she gave like a full rundown on how you can get on these different websites where you can go and stay in someone's house for free. And then in exchange, usually you're like watching their pet or maybe it's like doing a little bit of maintenance around the house, but you stay there for free. If you were to do that, Justin, and go away during like ACL or South by Southwest, make $10,000 in your primary residence, go somewhere for free and then come back like, my God, that's insane. And so I know something else that we both have in common that we want to do more of is like the slow travel stuff. I know a few weeks ago in the 2022 reflections episode, I kind of talked about I did a lot of vacations in 2022 where it was just like, go, go, go. It was like zero breathing room. A lot of it was a lot of drinking too. Like I had some vacations where it's just like getting drunk five, seven days in a row. And it just, it wasn't good. It wasn't productive. I felt horrible once the vacation was over. I really want to do more trips where it's like, I don't want to say a workcation, but like where there's some work and some play. Like I, I love going to a new location and working from like 
eight to noon. And then for the rest of the day, you go out and explore. And I feel like I did not get enough of that in 2022 at all. Like every single time we'd be on a vacation, we actually got to do some of that in Mexico. But most of the vacations I went on, it was like, wake up at eight, then the adventures start for the day. Then we start (laughs) drinking at like three. And then we just do the same thing the next day. And it's just like, there's no breathing room. And it was just, it was super exhausting. It was a a ton of fun in the moment, but it's just not sustainable. So I'd love to do more of the slow travel, more of the sustainable travel where I'm not falling behind on work and all the different projects I have going on and kind of do like a workcation, slow travel type of thing. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. And it's like kind of the double whammy. Like to me, it's more enjoyable. You get to learn more about the location. You're less stressed. And it turns out to almost always be cheaper because like, especially on like a per day basis, when you think about it that way, I mean, you're buying one flight regardless of how many days you stay there. If you stay somewhere for a long time, the per day rate is always a lot cheaper than if you're going for, you know, a weekend or whatever. And you're not trying to jam pack everything into this like very short window. You're not trying to go whale watching and then take out some ATVs and then do this all (laughs) in the same day. It's like, my goodness, like how do you even enjoy one thing when you're stressed about being on time for the next? And so I'm a huge fan of the slow travel thing. And uh, if you find some locations you want to check out, let me and Leslie know. We'd love to join in. Sounds good. I think one location we're looking at for toward the end of the year is Spain. And I think I've mentioned this a couple times before, but Lauren and I have been taking Spanish lessons actually ever since the month after Mexico. So since April of 2022, we've been doing once a week Spanish lessons with our friend now, Emily from Venezuela. And it's been awesome. And our Spanish has improved a ton. So Definitely want to get to some Spanish speaking countries and we want to pop over to Europe and maybe hit Croatia as well. So Spain could be on the docket. We'll see. We haven't planned it out yet officially. And another thing I have on my list here, Justin, we talked about this a bit on that 2022 reflection episode as well, but 2023 fitness and health goals. I know we already talked about the alcohol intake a bit and I'm definitely going to reduce mine. It sounds like you kind of got yours really dialed in and you've been doing that since April. So you should have no problem with that. An interesting thing though that's happened is... I've been able to like increase my healthy calorie intake during the days of the week and have like more consistent strength training because I'm not going out and having like a drunk snack on a Saturday night at midnight. (laughs) And I know we've talked about this before, like budgeting. The first time you run that budget, the miscellaneous category is always way bigger than you could possibly imagine. It's always like, wow, I spent $1,000 every month in this random categories that I never would have accounted for. That was kind of how it was for my diet and drinking on the weekends. Like I would you know, drink on Friday and Saturday and just eat like you know, fast food or some crappy meal when I get home because I'm starving because that's what alcohol does to me. And so it was <laughs> like that. It was like the miscellaneous category. But now that I, I cut that out for January, I was able to like, I did the same thing you did where I was tracking my macros in a spreadsheet and I was actually eating more and getting leaner because I was cutting out one, all the alcohol calories itself, which is just like empty water calories that bloat you. And then all the drunk meal calories, which is like, again, it was a double whammy. So it was, it was awesome. And so that was something that another reason why I'm going to be definitely reducing my alcohol intake moving forward in 2023. Yeah, it is pretty wild when you see that, like, and as I've been tracking my calories and, you know, and then also like checking in with my weight and stuff like that, I feel like there's some days where I almost can't like eat enough. Like I, I, like I'll see my weight continue to drop and I'm like, dang it, I don't want to get any smaller, but it's like, (laughs) I feel like, I feel like I've eaten all I can. You don't realize how many calories you're intaking from both the drinking. And then, like you said, once you're drinking, whether that just means that you're up later or whether it creates these kind of cravings, whatever it does, like 
there's a lot of different ways you end up there, but you're normally going to end up eating some stuff that's pretty terrible for you <laughs> and eating it a yeah. lot. And so I still have my sweet tooth, but thankfully now I don't really have to feel that bad about it because I know I'm not drinking a thousand calories and I'm not eating, you know, the extra, that fourth meal. So now, like, you know, if I want to have a pint of Ben and Jerry's every now and then, I can, and it doesn't even remotely throw me off whack because I've cut out so many other calories. So definitely know where you're coming from there. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge hidden hack. So a couple of my other health and fitness goals, I'll just rattle these quick ones off, but daily walks. So Lauren and I love going on walks and sometimes it'll be cold and we'll be like, oh, do we really want to walk today? But I really want to just get out and do it every day, no matter what. Like even if it's a little rainy, even if it's cold, whatever, just getting in the habit of like going on a nice, usually our loop is like a mile, mile and a half, two miles, depending on which route we take. But going on a daily walk, is just it's just a nice break. And we usually do it midday get a little break from the screen, get some exercise, get some sunlight. So that is something that I definitely want to continue for 2023. Hitting the gym five to seven times per week. I've been doing some seven days per week now. Now that I'm off alcohol for January, I just have like so much energy and I'm like, hell yeah, like <laughs> let's hit the gym this morning. And then the last one is uh, no screen time 30 minutes before bed. And actually just last night, like we were really good about it. We stopped, we watched an episode of MasterChef Junior, ended that at like 9.30. And then we just read in bed for like a half an hour, like a physical book, and then went to bed. I slept fantastic. Like I was so tired when we finished reading. And just, I feel like not having that blue light in my face, like the second before I hit the pillow is just kind of a life hack. And it's it's definitely worked for me over the past couple of weeks. So I'm going to try to continue that throughout the year. I think the screen time is definitely one that uh, I could also work on. I have a really bad habit of, of that both right before I go to sleep and then very first thing. I, it's kind of like my think about like my granddad wanting to read the newspaper. That's just the way I feel when I wake up in the morning. There's just a few little things I like to check and then I'm good. Like I'm actually not on my phone very much at all during the day, but I love being on it like right before I go to sleep and then right when I wake up. And those are probably the two worst times to be on it but um <laughs> and also just kind of tying up the drinking thing i think just a full year like that would be really cool to see like an actual full year not being drunk once like i still love like the way certain things taste so like i will still try like a bourbon that i've never had before or if we went to a brewery i would still maybe get like a flight but like not actually ever getting like buzzed or drunk for a year would be something that I could have never imagined. And so that would be a, a huge win. And then the last one that I had that I ended up realizing we didn't talk about kind of goes back into more of the financial stuff is I want to build like a real drawdown strategy. I mean, you know, like I've got a lot of general ideas and I've got the money in the accounts and all that sort of stuff. But if I'm being honest with myself, I don't have like a real plan about okay, you're going to move this percent of money from this account and you know, you're going to do this this way and these are going to be the triggers that let you know when you need to and you're going to reinvest dividends or you're not or like all that sort of stuff. I don't have like a rubber meets the road kind of plan and I think it's getting to a point where I really need to do that. Well, once you do have that drawdown strategy, I'm sure we could do a full episode on it because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are in that exact same situation. So don't worry, we will record that episode once Justin figures it all out for himself. <laughs> And the last thing I want to mention here, this is just something I've noticed and it's kind of been throughout my whole entrepreneurial journey is just making sure I'm like putting people before business, before money, before most of the stuff we talked about today, because obviously half this episode, and this is the financial independence show was about money and business and making more and spending less. But at the end of the day, it's really all about like the people you're surrounding yourself with and those memories that you make. And I've caught myself a couple of times, like, you know, Lauren's talking to me from the other room and I'm just like zoned in 
on something business or like my mom wants to do something with me and I'm just like, no, I have to do this thing. And it's like business related. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like those are the most important people in your life. And and no matter what the situation is, you shouldn't let your business, your career, whatever, get in the way of that. Well, that's definitely a great goal, Cody, and something that we all need to keep in mind because uh, you can have as much money in the world as you want, but you can still end up in a, a place where you don't have good relationships and then you're not happy and then not really a whole lot of point to that. So definitely agree with that one. We really hope all of you have enjoyed this episode where we talk about our goals um, and we try to be super transparent as always. I think me and Cody are two of the most like transparent people you'll find in this kind of space. And so we hope you enjoy that. We'd love for you to be transparent with us and share some of your goals for 2023. You can always share that kind of stuff over in our Facebook group and you can find that by going to thefyshow.com slash community. So we hope to hear from all of you about your 2023 goals and then as we get deeper in the year, maybe we can hear some of that progress. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to another episode of The Fi Show. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, the best way to do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, share this with a friend, and also don't forget, you can find 200 plus episodes and all the information you'd ever want to have about these episodes over at thefyshow.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that way every Wednesday you can have our latest episode delivered straight to your phone. Until next time. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available. The very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.